Well, I, I'm looking forward to this, uh, this study in Elijah. We'll be in it for a little bit, not too long, but as long as the Lord has us there. Because um, I'll be honest with you, I, the message that we ended up with is not the one that I originally started with. And uh, the Lord kind of split it in two, but that's kind of what he does sometimes. So um, who am I to say no, right? So uh, uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17, um, where we're going to be at this morning. Page 379 of the Pew Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you there in the, in the pew, and it's on page 379. That song that we, we just sang, These Are the Days of Elijah, is, is so powerful. I mean, that's, um, that's why we're, we're going to be singing it as we go through the study. And it speaks, it speaks of great trials. It, it speaks of, of great men of faith. And it speaks of, of a great victory. And that song in our Bibles are, are filled with accounts of men that seem larger than life, Right? People like Moses and David and Ezekiel and Daniel and, and Paul. I mean, just these, these giant heroes of the faith. And all seem to be so far above the realm of, of our own experience that we feel like we could never be like them. We could never be like them. I could never be like Paul or Ezekiel or Daniel. However, I'm going to let you in on a little secret this morning, okay? All of these people, all of those, those men that I just talked about, all of these people in our Bible, they're just that. They're people. They're people. And yet their lives have so much to teach us today. Remember what the New Testament says about the Old Testament stories. Romans 15.4. Romans 15.4. If I can get there. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Everything that was written there is to teach us, to give us hope and encouragement so we can press on just as, as they did. God has something to teach us from every story in the Old Testament, including the stories recorded about Elijah. Even though he lived some 3,000 years ago, his life speaks to us with contemporary power. I mean, we look at his story, and it could be written yesterday, right? And some of those, those things that we, we see in there. When I read about the life and ministry of Elijah, I'm, I'm amazed at his courage and his confidence in the power of God. Yet I'm also reminded by the Word of God that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. That's what James chapter 5 tells us. He was, he was just a man who, who walked in humble obedience with his God. We're going to do a series of messages that will focus on the life and the ministry of this man named Elijah. Today we'll focus in on one verse and talk about a man like us. Because that's what he was. 
It was just a man like us. I want you to see that God can take a seeming nobody and make a somebody out of them. God can take any life that will be totally yielded to his will and use that life for God's glory. So let's look at this verse together this morning and meet a man like us. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to concentrate on verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. There's actually a lot for us to unpack in that one verse, the one introductory verse. We'll see how Elijah was a man like us just from that simple verse right there. First, it's his home. He was from Nowhereville. Elijah was from Nowhereville. There was nothing special about where he came from. If you look at Elijah's background, you find total obscurity. Back up and read the first 16 chapters of 1 Kings, and nothing. No Elijah there. The nation splits. You go through the kings of Israel and Judah. Immediately after a reading of, of Ahab and Jezebel with, with no warm-up, we read, read about all these kings, and then boom, Elijah. Elijah the Tishbite. Well, who is this guy? Where is he from? The writer tells us that Elijah was the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead. Well, okay, well, where's that? Well, Gilead was a, a rough, mountainous area. The very name Gilead means the rocky region. In its Hebrew form, it means raw or rugged. It's located in an area east of the Jordan River, and it was, it was a rugged area known for its high peaks and its, uh, and its very deep valleys. Then it opened up to, to, the, to the desert further to the east. It was very sparsely populated, very sparsely populated. had very few cities or villages in it. Very few people lived there. This was, this was an area that people went to when they wanted to get away. And they just wanted to get away from everything, right? This is like Alaska, the wild frontier, or Wyoming. When he stepped into the scene and began his ministry, his, his methods, his mannerisms, his messages were as rough and rugged as a place he called home. And apparently Elijah's method of dress reflected a bit of that, because if you, if you go to 2 Kings 1.8, it says, he wore a garment of hair and a belt of leather around his waist. Well, that sounds like he was a pretty snazzy dresser too, right? So he didn't come, he didn't come from some big city with all the big city attitude and, and flowery talk. He didn't come all dressed up with some slick suit with a gold watch. Elijah was just a, a guy, just a guy from the backwoods of Israel. I mean, some of him might call him a, some might call him a, a country boy, you know, maybe a, a redneck or, or a hillbilly. He was just a guy from the middle of nowhere. 
God chooses this unknown man from nowhere. Unlike the kings, we don't know who his family is. We don't know if he has a wife and kids. What was his occupation? Was he a priest or a shepherd, maybe an artist or a fisherman? or you know, What was he? Does he have any hobbies? We don't know. We just don't know. God just plucks this, this guy out of the middle of nowhere. Boom. Puts him right in the middle of this. Doesn't seem to, uh, seem to be how or where you would call a great prophet from, does it? But it reminds me of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 27. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 27. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble of birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Elijah grew up in seeming obscurity. Like many of us. Like many of us. Yet God chose him out of obscurity to confront apostasy. This should encourage, or, or perhaps for some, frighten you and me. Because your family background doesn't decide if God will choose you. Where you come from doesn't determine your usefulness to God. Elijah could have just as well come from Martin or from Plainwell or Otsego, Parchment or Kalamazoo or, or Alamo. Here's a question. Are you a nobody from Nowhereville? Are you? Well, God loves to use nobodies. Elijah was, was a was from a small town. Reminds me of, a, of another song. Just a small town guy. I'm kind of messing with the lyrics a little bit. Just a small town guy living in a lonely world. Ironically, it's written by a band called Journey. Elijah was on a journey. The name of the song is Don't Stop Believing. That was Elijah. Just a small town guy. On a journey that the Lord had had prepared for him. It would require him to, to not stop believing. Elijah, small town guy. And yet we sing the song that we, we just sang a minute ago with such you know, great fervor. As we think about, these are the days of Elijah. It's a rallying cry. He's just a man man just like us we also see that and he he was a man like us in his humanity he had feelings and he had problems just like us sometimes when we read the bible it's easy to forget that these these mighty saints of scripture were were people just like us and they struggled with many of the same things that we struggle with we read about elijah performing amazing miracles raising the dead and and calling down fire from heaven Begin, begin to think of Elijah as some kind of super saint. 
someone in a category totally different from our own. Yet, one of the most encouraging statements about Elijah in the Bible comes from Jesus' half-brother James. I already mentioned it. James chapter 5. James chapter 5, 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it, would, it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the earth gave rain, and the earth bore its fruits. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. The NIV says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. The NLT, the New Living Translation, Elijah was as human as we are. He was as human as we are. The Berean Standard, Elijah was a man just like us. The Amplified Version, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. The same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings. So here's the point. Elijah had all the weaknesses and all the struggles that come with being human. Because he was. He was was a man like us. And if you really look at the life of Elijah, it's clear that he was a mere mortal. Now sure, he he didn't die at the end like all of us did, but, but he still lived his life here. Sure, at the end of his life, the Lord took him out, but most of us won't experience that. But he had to live his life here in the earth. Walk in his shoes. Imagine walking in Elijah's shoes here on earth. He gets plucked out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. To stand against the sin of his nation. How would you feel? He confronted Ahab and spoke and spoke with unimaginable boldness. Then he went and hid himself like the Lord told him. He's probably a little confused. What now? Well, that's kind of anticlimactic. You pluck me out of nowhere, confront this guy, and now I go hide? What's kind of anticlimactic? Maybe he got lonely out there by himself. And the Lord sent him to Zarephath. Now, if you remember last week, I mentioned where is Zarephath? Isn't this Jezebel's stomping country? Isn't this, isn't this where her dad controls everything? Okay, Lord. But he stood confident on the demand for food from the poor widow. Sure that the Lord would provide. And then, then the widow's son dies. Lord. Why did you kill her son? Then the son is raised. See? Your son lives. He confronts Ahab and Jezebel and the people of Baal or of Israel. Choose, choose God or Baal. He taunts. He defeats and then slaughters the prophets of Baal and Mount Carmel. Cry louder, baby, he's sleeping. The Lord is God. Seize them. Then he runs away and hides in fear. Oh no, Jezebel's going to get me. And he tells the Lord to take my life away. It's hopeless. I'm no better than my father's. Just, it's better I, I die now. 
His faith journey was, was like a roller coaster sometimes. He had ups and downs just like us. Smiling on, on top of the world one minute and then heart pounding and, and screaming in fear the next. He got emotionally drained. He got discouraged. He got depressed. He felt fear. He wasn't perfect. He sinned and he, and he made mistakes. He was more like us than we may think. And his life reveals that he encountered many of the same spiritual obstacles that we face in our lives. Elijah knew what it was like to encounter spiritual decay. His ministry came when Israel had flagrantly departed from God. Fifty years had passed since uh, the kingdom split after the death of Solomon. And during that time, seven different kings reigned in Israel, and all of them were wicked men. In fact, each king seemed to be more wicked than the one before. And by the time Elijah arrived on the scene, Ahab was king. And we, we read that scripture from 1 Kings 16.30. Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. Talked about how evil Ahab was. Believers living in the United States today are often disgusted with the spiritual decay that we see around us, rightly so. Church in the Western world seems to have been in decline for decades. Seeker-friendly movement and the prosperity gospel and megachurches with their Christian brand of entertainment. Can't hardly even get the truth in, in the church anymore. Culture seems to be moving further and further away from any true biblical beliefs and values. We can take comfort that we are not the first to experience spiritual decay. Others, like Elijah, have dealt with these same troubling trends in their day. Matter of fact, in Elijah's day, they, they actually built an altar, a physical altar, to a false god. And yet, yet they remained faithful to the Lord. So should and can we. Elijah knew what it was like to experience spiritual decay, just like us. Elijah knew what it was like to encounter spiritual difficulties. The beginning of his ministry, he lived through a severe trout. Although the Lord provided him at the, at the uh, brook of Cherith, the brook eventually dried up. Remember, remember the drought? Elijah had to move on to Zarephath in, in faith that the Lord would provide. Move into the stomping grounds of the enemy. Later, Elijah faced life-threatening persecution from Jezebel. And he went on the run for his life. Elijah understood what it was like to encounter difficulties and, and hardships, even as he served the Lord. Even when he was in Zarephath, God provided in, in that amazing way with, with the, the flour and the oil that never ran out. And when we look at that, we go, well, that was amazing. God provided, right? God provides for you the same way sometimes. You don't like it. When you have just enough, I mean 
you have just enough. Probably not enough for tomorrow. Don't we always want, Lord, give me a little cushion. Lord, let me have a little extra, right? I don't want food for today. I want food for the week. I want to see my refrigerator stocked full. Lord, I know, I know you provide. Just provide a month's worth of groceries, would you? That'd be all right. A little extra money would be all right, too, you know? Just, just waiting for that one check to come in the mail so I can write the bills. Lord, I mean, just a little breathing room would be fine, right? Yet that's the life that Elijah lived. God, the ravens, brought him food in the morning and in the evening. They didn't bring a whole bunch in the morning so that he would have enough for the evening. They brought enough for the morning. You've got your breakfast. I'll be back with your dinner. He had to wait for the Lord to bring his dinner. It's like the Israelites when they were in the desert, right? God provided manna. Only take enough for today. Only enough for today. Elijah's life can give us encouragement when we encounter difficulties. Elijah understood what, what it was like to encounter these difficulties and these hardships. Even as he served the Lord, Stories like this remind us that we are not alone. God will continue to provide for us in the midst of all that is happening around us. And because of that, we can persevere in the faith. Now, He may not give you an overabundance, because then what do you trust in? You trust in the overabundance instead of in Him. Timothy Lane and Paul Chip Tripp wrote a book, How People Change, and they wrote this. It is incredibly encouraging to realize that while the Bible addresses the world as we know it, God makes it very clear that that he understands the heat we face every day. It isn't always pleasant to read the honest stories of Scripture, but it is comforting. We realize that we will never face an experience, no matter how dark or difficult, that would be a shock to our God. The hope and help God offers his children reflects his knowledge of the full range of human experience. Elijah knew what it was like to encounter spiritual difficulties. He was a man just like us. Elijah knew what it was like to encounter spiritual discouragement too. After Elijah fled from Jezebel, he wandered into the wilderness. Into the wilderness. He was so discouraged, he said in 1 Kings 19.4, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Woe is me. At this moment, Elijah was so despondent, so depressed, that he literally felt he would be better off dead than alive. Here's a picture of a prophet who was at his lowest. Yet even in this moment, there is hope because God did not abandon Elijah. God continued to strengthen him in the midst 
of his discouragements. We'll talk later about how God did that. Just the way that Elijah needed it. It wasn't in the clouds. It wasn't in the the storm. It was in that still, small voice. God spoke to Elijah in the midst of all his discouragement. We also face times when we are discouraged, depressed. Seasons when we feel surrounded by darkness, without hope in this world. Say it's useless. No one cares. No one even tries anymore. Elijah's life reminds us that we are not alone. Many others have walked the same road. He gives us brothers and sisters in the Lord to help us. It's why we gather together, so that we can encourage one another. That's Wednesday, time of, of testimony. Man, I walked through some dark times. Man, it was hard. Then the Lord, then the Lord did this. Amen. That's why he puts us together. We're not alone. God is with us. God promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us. In one sense, Elijah was a unique figure because he was a prophet who had a special calling and a special gifting from God. But in another sense, Elijah was was a man. He was a man just like us. He lived and served in a time of horrible spiritual decay. Very sick time. He faced persecution, setbacks, disappointments. He had incredible victories. And he had devastating failures. He was not a perfect man. He was a man like us. Here's the point. The Lord is not looking for spiritual giants to use for his glory. He is simply looking for people. Ordinary people. People who will obey his word and follow where he leads them. That's what he's looking for. Ordinary people that are willing to obey, follow his leading. Nothing is really known about Elijah until he steps into the scene here in the presence of King Ahab in this one verse. The first time that we meet Elijah. He was a nobody from nowhere. But he was handpicked by the Lord God himself to do his will, to carry his message to a wayward nation. God doesn't need the rich, the educated, the intelligent, the the beautiful, the movers and shakers of the world to get his work done. He just needs an ordinary man. You remember David. Think about the the story of David back in 1 Samuel 16. Samuel's looking for the new king of Israel. Jesse's bringing his sons before him. 1 Samuel 16, 6-7. When they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Looked at him and said, Well, he looks good. That's the guy I would choose. The Lord said to Samuel, Don't look at his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. 
For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I go through all the brothers. Don't you have another son? Is this all of them? Well, I mean, we got, we got little Squirt. He's out taking care of the, you know, the critters right now, you know? Well, go get him. Bring him in too. The Lord said, arise, anoint him. For this, for this is he. God has chosen to work through the lives of ordinary men and women. Those who will simply yield themselves to the will of God. People who will be like Isaiah and say, here I am, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Bottom line is this, God wants your obedient surrender to his will more than he wants anything else you can give him. 1 Samuel 15.22 What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Elijah was a common man, a man just like us. In spite of his failings, just like us, there is more to him than that. We're going to look at that next week when we look at Elijah, an example for us. So who was Elijah? He was a man. He was just a man like us. From nowhere. From the middle of nowhere, nothing special other than God chose him. What can his life teach us? Elijah experienced great hardships in life. Therefore, his story speaks to those who are facing serious hardships. He experienced great isolation, so his story speaks to those who feel all alone. Elijah at times felt quite helpless in the battle against evil. Therefore, his story speaks to those who feel weak and worn out trying to withstand evil or temptation. Elijah also experienced failure. Therefore, his story speaks to those who feel like failures. Do you ever feel like a failure? Elijah was used powerfully by God. Therefore, his story speaks to those who desire to live a life that counts Elijah stood strong for God in a time when there was lots of opposition. Was there a lot of opposition? Therefore, his story speaks to those who want to stand strong for God in our world today. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And though these are days of great trial, of famine and darkness and sword, Still, we, we, we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. God called Elijah out of obscurity, a nobody, and turned him into a somebody. God is still doing that today. 
We must be willing to answer the call to be the voice in the desert. We must be willing to be that voice until the day, until the day that we can say, Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. Lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee. Behold, out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Amen? That is our call. Each of us are chosen by God for a purpose. Every one of us here is an Elijah. Every one of us is an Elisha. We all have a call to proclaim God's truth, to make a stand in our world for the truth. To call people to repentance and faith. Because one day, he's coming back. Amen? Amen? He is coming back. Out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. That is our message that we need to be shouting to the world. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for your word. And Father, we thank you for the example of Elijah, a man, a man like us, a man from nowheresville, just in the middle of nowhere, and Lord, you, you plucked him out of there, out of obscurity, and you put him into the forefront of, of history for his nation. There was nothing special about him other than that you chose him. Father, you've done the, the same for each of us. Father, you have chose us to be your children. You have chose us to be your ambassadors. Father, you have chose us to carry forth your message to a world that needs to hear it. Father, you have chosen us to stand firm for your truth. Father, to, to call a wicked nation to repentance. Father, to call people out of their sin and their rebellion. These are the days of Elijah. Father, I pray that you would help us to ever be mindful that we are the Elijahs for our generation. We are the Elijahs for today. We have a responsibility to proclaim, prepare ye the way for the Lord. For behold, you will return one day. Father, help us, help us to be faithful to this call. For your glory, in the name of Jesus. Amen.